This is an ABC podcast. It is Pip and D, and I really want to talk about herpes. Me too. It's definitely something I've been seeing a lot more of online, particularly in my TikTok feed. A lot of people talking about it openly, being advocates. It's really cool to see this kind of change happen. I have, I told you this before, and this was one of the reasons why we decided to do Herpes as this episode. I've recently had a few friends get it, and just seeing how upset they were, and it was almost like their self confidence when it came to like sex and dating was completely shattered. And it's really hard when you hear someone who you genuinely love so much hearing them so upset, knowing that it's over something that is just so common. And Everyone pretty much has it. So it's like so stigma. It just shows how stigmatized this still is. And this is like one of the biggest things. Yeah. And that's what we're going to get into in this episode. We really want to smash the stigma around herpes and tell everyone who's ever had a herpes scare or have been properly diagnosed that it's not the end of the world. It's actually just a really mild STI that, yeah, most people have and you can still have amazing sex and have a really happy and healthy dating life. Yeah, so you're going to hear from people who've had it. You're going to get a full medical rundown on how herpes is passed around, what it feels and looks like, and of course, how to treat it. And you're going to find out how to have that conversation with a partner, whether you're in a relationship or you're just dating. So Dee, like I said before, there have been more and more advocates popping up on my TikTok feed. The algorithm is serving me these amazing people who are speaking up about having herpes. And one of these people is Suze. She is massive on TikTok. Her handle is at Suzebubs. That's spelled S-U-Z-B-U-B-S. And she's known for being really open about her own herpes and the journey she's had with her diagnosis and everyone's reactions. So... To give you some context on how she got it, Suze was dating her college sweetheart. They married, but then after a couple of years, their relationship started to uh, feel a little bit stale, so they decided to open things up. And she started chatting with a guy she'd met at a bar, and it developed into a long-distance relationship. She and her then-husband split. It was an amicable divorce, and then she pursued this relationship further with this guy, and that's when she contracted herpes. I spoke to her a couple of days ago on Zoom and, yeah, started off by asking her what her initial reaction was when she found out. Yeah, so honestly, my first thought was, oh, my gosh, he's going to leave me. Like, he's he's going to reject me for this now. And once we started talking about it, he was, you know, he admitted a few weeks later he was having a flare-up and then it was very much like, we don't know who it came from. So let's just not dwell on it. Like, you know, and anytime I tried to talk to him about, cause back then I wasn't as educated on, on how it transmits. And I was asking like, you know, was there anyone that you had been with that you didn't tell me about, or like before we were exclusive that might've had it, you know, and he would just get so uncomfortable when it came up. When I had it, I just felt stupid. I felt like I had been irresponsible. I felt like I was being punished. I was in a really dark place for a while, actually, like in, from my initial diagnosis, the first few weeks, I was pretty depressed. I was, I was having like passively suicidal thoughts, um, just about how hard life was going to be with this, how I couldn't imagine dating with this beyond the person I was currently with. So 
I have no doubt that it contributed to me like staying with him because at that point it was easier. You know, I was in love for sure, but it was terrifying to imagine, um, being single, you know, and, and dating with it. So it hit me really hard. Like it does a lot of people. So Sue started talking about her herpes online, on Instagram and on TikTok, and that's how she went super viral. I think she's got TikToks up there that have millions and millions of views. And basically that's how Pip and I found her as well to grab her for this episode. But because so many people are seeing her content on TikTok, she's also had just such a nasty reaction from basically just men online it was just so many vile hate comments like it was like a lot of just like calling me a slut and a whore and like damaged goods and like I I literally got dms uh like threatening my life and just guys going on these awful rants um but I knew that this was just misogyny at work. Like this was trolls on TikTok. It honestly felt more like hatred towards a woman, you know, like it it felt like it was beyond the herpes. I just have to say on that, you would never hear the equivalent of this podcast happening on a guy's podcast Mm. with a guy who's advocating for herpes and also saying, bro, like... I got hundreds and hundreds of hate comments from women. Like they told me that I should kill myself and they told me that me having herpes made me like worthless and that I was like a slut. Like you just would never hear that ever. I know. Okay, so I'm like laughing about this, but not in like a ha-ha funny way. It's actually like a fucking sad truth way. And I'd never thought about it like that until you just said, like, right? It's so true. You would never see like barrages of women in comments or like women sending DMs being like, "Kill yourself. You have herpes." Like, we don't. We wouldn't, and we're respectful about it. And it, it just wouldn't happen. It's also wild to me because and we're going to get into this really soon about how common it is. But a lot of these like bros that are being so disgustingly rude to Sue's probably have it. Like, (laughs) it's just wild that they are, like, using this as an excuse to just attack someone that they don't know. And someone who's actually just being so vulnerable and talking about something that is, like, still so stigmatised. Completely. And it's not like they're coming for the person who gave it to her. Or, you know what I mean? Like, the person... Everyone who has herpes has gotten it from someone. Literally. (laughs) So don't throw fucking stones. Not only are men coming for Sue's in her TikTok comments, but she also said in the advocacy space that there actually are many guys who openly talk about having herpes. So she said a lot of the time it is women or black women or queer people who are really kind of advocating online and talking about their experiences. But we did really want to hear from guys about their experience. So, yeah, we ended up finding someone called Adriel Dale. He's the founder of the Herpes Opportunity. It's a resource for people struggling with the stigma attached to herpes to help empower them with info and counselling. And when Adriel first got diagnosed with herpes, it was such a rough experience, especially as a dude. I wasn't really that emotionally aware (laughs) Uh, at that point, I, I was very, 
I was very steeped in shame. I mean, the stigma that is that's surrounding herpes uh, didn't make it that easy. But I was also a really emotionally shut down man to begin with. Yeah, and he reckons that's a major reason why we see less men open up about their herpes. You know, whether that's online as advocates or in real life, because, and I think most guys will relate to this, it's seen as quote unquote weak. We're like enculturated to believe that having feelings and emotions is weak. So we got to figure it out ourselves, right? If, if we're going through something, it's unfortunately, we're less likely to reach out to our, our guy friends and talk about like, yeah, I'm really, I'm really hurting here. I'm really, I'm really sad. Uh, or like crying with your friends or like processing grief, right? It's, it's, it's pretty rare for men to do that with other men. I feel like that's changing in our society, but I feel like that's one of the main reasons why there's not a lot of, of advocacy and, and men talking about herpes or difficult things in general because it's seen as weak by that kind of old school culture. That is just like so sad to hear. And actually, when my friend called me recently to tell me that she got herpes, she obviously was like crying and very upset, but she also was just so thankful that she had someone to talk to about it. And she like, you know, I was helping her through it and explaining everything. Um, And obviously, like I have the resources through doing this show, Mm. but a lot of people don't. And I just thought, yeah, like, I feel like that's just a classic female friendship and it, it makes me really upset to think that there's a lot of guys out there who might also be going through the same thing and not feel comfortable enough to open up and talk to their friends about it. And that's why this episode will be really important because we're going to get to everything you need to know about herpes so you can be completely informed and know all the ins and outs so you feel less alone. Let's get into the medical nitty-gritty stuff because... Like you, Pip and I had so many questions. Literally so many. <laughs> we were like, but what about this? What about that? Can one transfer to two? Can two and one transfer and become one? <laughs> Can you get it from sex toys? <laughs> well, Dr. Brad McKay, author and GP, chatted to us about everything. He's going to answer all these questions. But first up, we did have to get to the very basics. What exactly is herpes? Herpes uh, is a couple of different viruses. So herpes simplex virus number one and herpes simplex virus number two. And uh, we traditionally talk about HSV1 causing cold sores. So that's what you'd be normally getting around your lips uh, and in your mouth, um, sometimes in your tongue. And then with herpes simplex virus two, that's traditionally the genital herpes um, that people get. So that can be on your penis, on the vulva, um, in the vagina, on the cervix and sometimes even around the, the buttocks or around the anal area as well. So um, some people even get it on their fingers, which is pretty horrible. Um, and uh, yeah, you end up getting recurrent um, blisters, which are associated with pain um, and or itching. Um, and yeah, it is super, super common. I, I feel like this is kind of why we called this podcast episode Everyone Has Herpes, because it's so common. You can get HSV1 in both areas and you get HSV2 in both areas as well. So both your face and uh, and your genital area. If we're talking about cold sores, uh, we kind of find that about 75% of the population will have, will have it. So that's three quarters of the adult population have cold sores. And so if we're talking about genital herpes, that's about sort of like 12% of people. So, so still like very, very common. So 
exactly how do you get it? It's basically skin-to-skin contact. That's where um, where most people will will get it. Um, it. It's just that contact with the actual virus itself. And the virus um, goes through your skin, through little tiny abrasions in your skin, uh, and then enters into the nerve tissue that's there, and then um, sits uh, forever um, in your in your nervous tissue and keeps on sort of like yeah spiking up and causing these blisters whenever it happens. Whenever you run down, uh, you'll end up getting these blisters coming coming along. The HSV1 virus kind of likes to be on your lips, so on your face, and the HSV2 virus kind of likes to be around your genital skin. And so, yeah, like you, you could have HSV1 and go down on somebody else, but the virus may not sort of like set up camp there. So um, the, it's less likely to uh, to set up camp if it's HSV1. So, and similarly, uh, if it's HSV1 on your lips, then often it will come back like time and time again and um, and yeah, be, be really, really annoying. Um, and if it's HSV2 down below, you'll get lots of recurrences, so much more likely to recur. And if we switch the viruses around, um, then they're less likely to recur um, just because they don't like that area of the skin as much. You're far less likely to have sort of like recurrences all the time uh, in your general area if it's HSV1 compared to it being HSV2. And like we keep saying, it's so common. So you might have actually already had it and not even known for ages because your symptoms were just really mild. What can happen is that people can have symptoms and not really know about it. So if you've got sort of a pain around your, your backside, um, if you think that it's just an ingrown hair, but it's actually a herpes infection that's keeping on coming back time and time again, uh, and then you're having sex sort of unaware of it, then yeah, like you could certainly transmit that to, to somebody else um, unknowingly. And not only that, like Brad said before, it can be transferred between lips to genitals, but it can also be transferred between toys. I've had some patients who have had it um, transmitted from like sex toys as well, um, from from douching. Um, it can't. The virus can also be on equipment um, that's used in the bedroom. So yeah, so certainly that that can be around. It doesn't have to be skin to skin contact, uh, but yeah, it can be transferred via plastic or metal or whatever. Um, but mm. yeah, within a, a short period of time of, of use between partners. Yeah, that is actually <laughs> pretty scary. But we're not scared of it. Take that back. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess like if you were to be scared of getting herpes, the only thing that you should be scared about is the pain that you'll feel. Yeah. Because it can be painful. The but irritation. also, like we've heard, mild. Um, but yeah, the, the sex toy thing, that was like, oh, wow, did not know. So a lot of the people who I know who have it, which is, by the way, I reckon is like 10 Ten people yeah. that you know. Yeah. Wow. And that's like people who have told me. Yeah. They must really trust you, babe. No, I think that's just how common it is. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, also maybe the trust thing. I don't know. <laughs> no, but it is just like, to me, it's like, it is so common that that's how many people I know that have it. But yeah. a lot of the people that I have spoken to who have it have really gone through that cycle of a bit of the blame game. Totally. Because if someone just flares up suddenly and you're in like a long-term relationship and you're like, well, what the fuck? Have you been with other people? Yeah, totally. A lot of people start thinking about cheating. Um, But yeah, this was 
something that Brad touched on because he basically said that the virus can flare up differently for different people. Often there is not a great timing of of who, of who did what where. I've talked to many patients who have yeah like they they've been having sex with their partner for a while and then suddenly their partner develops this horrendous like um, HSV outbreak and uh, they're just beside themselves and they've only had one partner. They're both sort of swearing black and blue to me that they're in a monogamous relationship and how could this sort of like enter their relationship. Um, But yeah, some people just have symptoms. They may have caught it like even years ago. They may have had very mild symptoms, like a little bit of an itch or considered to be at a pimple or something going on. um, And they haven't really realized. Um, And yeah, like some people do have like like the tiniest area of broken skin that they don't really realize. They may have just been scratching their groin and and being totally unaware of it. Um, And yeah, it's just sort of like the all of the wind is blowing in the right direction. And when they're having sex, um, they've got a, a small uh, blister that's uh, that's able to transmit to their partner. And then um, even though they've had very, very mild symptoms their, their entire life, um, their partner can have an extravagant reaction um, where it's just yeah, horrendous and they need um, a significant pain relief and antivirals to, to start straight away. So yeah, so certainly it can go under, under the radar for a very long time. And yeah, both Brad and Sue said that most people who do have herpes don't know that they do, which makes a lot of sense for why it can be really shocking when, like Brad said, you're in a monogamous relationship and someone just gets it out of nowhere. It's like, well, you gave it to me. No, well, you gave it to me. Well, no, you gave it to me. Exactly. Which is why it's just, as he said, not useful to do that back and forth and trying to figure it out. It's more better to just come together, support each other and talk it out. So, how do you test for it? Yeah, so the best way to find out about HSV 1 or 2 is um, basically doing a skin swab. So if there's a rash or blisters that are there, um, then yeah, like your doctor can can get a swab. Um, for some patients who just have very rare outbreaks and they're worried about getting an appointment with their GP uh, at the time that they have an outbreak, sometimes what we do is um, give you a swab um, to, to take a swab as soon as that happens at home. Um, so whenever you're noticing those symptoms arising and then and yeah, most, most patients like know where it's itchy and they can uh, swab their own skin. And then you can drop that off to a pathology lab um, just in your own time. That sort of like saves you waiting for days to see a GP since we're all under, under pressure at the moment. Um, and then we send that off to the lab and we look for a, basically a PCR. So similar to doing like COVID tests at the lab and sticking, instead of sort of sticking that swab up your nose, we're just scraping your skin and sending that off. You might've heard that when people talk about testing for herpes, they talk about getting a blood test too. Uh, And Dr. Brad says that this is just used basically in extreme circumstances, but it's not as reliable. Normally we don't recommend it because it is a little bit hit and miss. Um, So some people can be told that they have herpes when they've never had symptoms before. Um, uh, so I, I really would be um, very wary uh, of having a blood test result. You're really wanting to have a, a swab um, of your skin to, to check things out. Let's say you've had herpes and you've had one outbreak, but then... You've never had any symptoms again. So how likely are you to infect someone else? Well, Dr. Brad says it's extremely unlikely, but you should be aware 
of asymptomatic shedding. The vast majority of cases where where transmission occurs is when there are blisters, when there's pain, itching, all of that sort of stuff going on. Um, there is what we call asymptomatic shedding as well. So you can have normal skin or normal mucosa on the inside of your mouth or, or tongue um, where you're just shedding the virus and it can sort of infect somebody else. Um, some of the studies say that if you if you don't have symptoms, then the chance of it happening would be like less than 1% chance of, of transmitting that to somebody else. It certainly can happen, but yeah, un- unlikely to if you don't have symptoms. Something that I really wanted to know from Brad was if you've got the herpes, do you have like a regular outbreak? Like say, for example, do you get it like once a year? Once a month. When you're run down, like what's the vibe? How often are we getting it? Yeah, and how fierce is it? And can it like chill out over time? Generally, as you get older, it sort of peters out over time. Um, and also the the severity gets less and less as time goes on. Um, but yeah, like if you're if you've just had your first outbreak and it's horrendous, we wouldn't expect you to continue to have that ferocity of uh, of the infection or, or those symptoms. Um, it does sort of like space out, and there is there is hope as uh, as time goes on. So. Very important. How do you treat it, especially in those earlier hectic flare-up moments? Because I've heard extreme pain, like really, really hurts to walk, um, like so much that you need to pee in the shower to stop the pain kind of vibe. We've got a wide variety of antivirals that we use. So um, so mainly tablets is what we're talking about for, for most people. And um, yeah, like some people, if they're getting horrible recurrences um, time and time again, um, especially in the first sort of six months of, uh, of being diagnosed, we'll often say, hey, look, just take take one or two tablets per day, depending on the, on the medication, um, and just take it for six months and then sort of wean off the medication and see how things are going. So we can certainly suppress the virus um, from uh, ongoing and some people take it episodically as well. So just for a few days when they get an outbreak. In terms of prevention too, you can use condoms, but that doesn't cover all the skin-to-skin contact where it can happen. So, yeah, Dr. Brad recommends for new couples a daily antiviral tablet. Particularly if it's a new relationship, I'll often recommend for, for the partner um, to just take like a one antiviral tablet per day to work as a suppressive um, therapy. And so that decreases their chance um, of giving it to anybody else, um, so particularly you. So your chance would be like less than 0.1% chance of, of getting it um, from, from having sex with that person. Um, often uh, over time, um, long-term relationships, people will just sort of go off the medication and then, yeah, life life happens and they just sort of like accept if they do get herpes, then that's that's part of their relationship. Um, but yeah, it's, it's mainly that suppressive antiviral treatment, which is the main thing. Yeah, you can get this tablet under PBS. It's around $40-ish per packet, which lasts you one month, but it's also way cheaper if you've got a healthcare card or... If you have a pensioner card, shout out to all the boomers listening to this podcast right now. We love you. Thank you. Also, yeah, like the STIs, syphilis and chlamydia, um, herpes is literally so chill. Like nothing will happen to you yeah. apart from an outbreak in pain. You get some blisters. So, That's it. Pipe down, all right? Chill out. All these trolls in Suze's DMs. I know. It's a blister. It's literally a blister. Like, actually takes several seats. <laughs> I'm so angry about this still. <laughs> like, no. I'm like, what do we have to do to change this bloody stigma? I'm so over it. I know. We're just yelling into a mic, hoping that we'll this change it. This whole episode has just been us shouting at you listening. <laughs> but who will shine a light on this situation? <laughs> we will. 
But yeah, sorry about the <laughs> shouting. <laughs> okay, so if you've been diagnosed and you're either in a long-term stable partnership with someone or you're dating casually or sleeping with multiple people or you're in poly relationships, like whatever you're in, how do you tell someone you've got herpes? And D, key emphasis on the word how, not should I tell someone you definitely should. Oh, yeah, we're not having that chat. There's no like, oh, I'm just going to sleep with people and actively have herpes and not tell people. Yeah, and there's so many reasons for that. It's not illegal, but ethically, like you should be upfront about this kind of thing. I mean, if the reverse situation happened to you, I guess you've got to think about how you would feel if someone didn't tell you. You'd rather want to know, right? Oh, like (laughs) I'm sure you'd want to know. Yeah. It's also just good to talk about it openly because, like we keep saying in this episode, there is so much stigma and so much misinformation out there that the more we chat about it and talk about having it, the less shame that there will be. Look, D, I don't want to yell again, but I will if I have to. <laughs> we need to normalise this shit. She's legit yelling. It's the hookup motto. Like, that's what we're here to do. We want to normalise it. I and mean, we really just want to actually, like you said before, break this really vicious cycle of I feel bad about it. I'm not going to tell anybody, but then I don't tell anyone and then it keeps going and then it makes it worse. And just the more that it's in the dark, the harder it is to get it into the light, I guess. If someone tells you that they have herpes and you have herpes, tell them back. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I know of people who have just not said anything back. That's what happened to Suze as well. Totally. I mean, mm. she gets so many people messaging her, so many, who were obviously just being like, thank you so much for talking about this. I have herpes too. But then she's the one who's the only one who's openly talking about it. Yeah. And that's fine. Everyone, I'm not saying that you should write a blog or do a vlog or a TikTok about having herpes. Like, she's on a different journey if that's not for you, but... You know, I can imagine that it would be pretty hard being the only person who's like fully being vulnerable and putting themselves out there being like, I have it. And then no one else is doing it, even though they're in your DMs saying that they have it. Completely. But okay, we got to stop ranting. Okay. (laughs) Rant over, rant over. Sorry. What were we even saying? Oh, yeah. How to tell someone about it. Okay. So, how, when, where do you say it? Well, certified sex coach and bestie of the show, Georgia Grace, has some amazing advice on this. So I think the first thing before you even get to the conversation is to make sure you've done your research um, so that you know how that you can have the safest, most pleasurable and sexy experience because you can and will have a really great sex life regardless of your STI. Um, So come empowered with all of that information um, so that when you have that conversation with your new sexual partner, if they have questions, you can answer them. Um, It's always, I would recommend, important to have this conversation before you're in bed with them, because that can be a really vulnerable place to be for everyone involved. So start, you know, find a time or a context that feels really safe for you. Um, A lot of people approach it in a way that um, that they try not to make a big deal out of it, knowing full well that it can feel like a big deal to share it, but really coming at it um, and normalising it, 
saying something like, hey, I have herpes or I have this STI. Um, I wanted to let you know before we had sex so that you could ask any questions around how we can manage this um, so that we can both practice safely um, and have a really great time together. And hopefully after this episode, you'll be armed and empowered with all the knowledge you need about herpes, things like transmission, treatment, prevention, because as G says, there could be a bunch of different reactions to the news and there will be follow-up questions. It may be the case that they come with judgment or shame, and that is really, really unfortunate. Um, and it says nothing about you, but perhaps about the um, lack of information that they may have or the stigma that they may have around STIs. So If that's the case, they may need time to either go away and do their own research, to ask some more questions to you and what sex will look like. But know that whatever judgment comes up, it's really not about you. It's about many other social, cultural and political factors that have informed how they think and feel about STIs. Um, But, you know, many of my clients will also say that when they've told a new sexual partner, the partner has been so supportive and, you know, so sex positive and really um, grateful that they've been vulnerable and open and are so keen to find a way to have a great sex life together. So, um, yes, it, it can feel like a really vulnerable and edgy conversation to have. It is incredibly important for you to do it. And it starts that open communication from the start. And if you want to hear from someone who has it, this is how Suze tells people. I basically just tell people pretty soon after I match, like I've had different situations. Sometimes you might find yourself like you met someone at a bar and, you know, you hit it off and things are getting heated. So you have to tell them in person. So I've been in a situation where I've done that. And it's really just like, Hey, like, I just want to let you know, I have herpes. Like, let me know if there's anything you want to ask me about it. We can be safe. Like, this is what we can do. And they're usually just like, okay, cool. Like, let's keep going. (laughs) Um, And in, in situations where you're just kind of chatting on dating apps and stuff, it's kind of a similar approach. Like if I feel like the vibe is happening or there's a chemistry, then I'll say like, you know, I just like to let people know up front, I have herpes. Let me know if you have any questions about it. I keep it like really short and simple. Yeah. And Suze is having an amazing dating life as well. Like she's getting out there. She's not being faced with any of that really foul, putrid online hate. She's actually living it up in real life and people have been so understanding. Like, they don't even care. Yeah, she told me that she gets heaps of DMs too from dudes who are like, you're so hot. They are not phased at all and they actually are like stoked that she's openly talking about this stuff. So she reckons telling someone about this is a really good way to weed out all those shitty people and just find someone on the same level. It's such a great test of character. Because if a guy is going to immediately unmatch me over telling him that or like freak out and say something rude, you know, how is he about other things in life that you're going to encounter with him? And whether it's a casual hookup or a relationship, I still want a partner who's going to be respectful, who I can openly communicate with, who I'm going to feel safe with. So how someone reacts to that information just says everything to me. I think you know, we hesitate to have those like sexual health conversations period. Cause we kind of just want to like not worry about it and not think about it. You also still want to make sure you feel safe with your partner. Like I tell people too, like 
you having herpes, you're not like the, I don't know the saying, like the red herring. You're not, you're not like the problem in, in the connection. Like you can still contract something from this partner. Like, how do you feel about this partner and what's their testing etiquette? Or like, when was the last time they were tested and how do you feel about their sexual health and what they're bringing to the table? So like you tend to burden yourself with, with carrying this thing or this affliction that someone might have an issue with and you fail to focus on like your partner, but absolutely it's brought about partners that I'm more, uh, like that are more on my level who I can have a good time with and, just openly and honestly communicate with. Also, Suze brings up such a good point about being aware of what they can bring into the relationship as well. Like their STIs, you know, you're not the only one carrying around this thing. They could be having stuff too. Yeah. Like we said before, there are more impactful STIs like chlamydia. Like for women, if you get that, if you don't realize that you'll become infertile over time. So, you know, this is a two-way street. You should be having these conversations with them too. Either way, I think the most important thing that we want you to know is that don't stress. You're going to have an amazing sex and dating life regardless of herpes. Georgia speaks to so many clients about their sex lives and here's what they had to say about it to her. They have pleasurable, orgasmic, fulfilling, connecting, the best sex of their lives that, you know, yes, it can feel like receiving that news of your of an STI it can be, um, it can take time to work through, I guess, some of the fear and shame that we may have been conditioned to hold on to. But there is so much incredible sex out there. So many people have great sex lives. And I think all you have to do is turn to any, um, you know, online online group forum or community and to hear from, yes, some challenges that may come from these experiences, but also so much, you know, fun and pleasure that is out there to be had for everyone, that this is certainly not the end of uh, your really great sex lives. This is just the beginning. So it's about all the yelling, but hopefully in amongst all the yelling, you learned something in this episode. It made you feel better if you've got herpes. It educated you on how to deal when someone tells you that they have herpes. Um, and also, I just want to point out that we spoke to Suze on Zoom and she's literally the hottest thing I've ever seen. She looks 12 years old and she told me, because I was like, what's your skincare routine? <laughs> Classic me. She basically said the herpes made her hotter, which I believe. I believe that too. So hashtag only hot people have herpes. <laughs> <laughs> I love this episode. It's been so fun, but also informative, but also a good little outlet for us. Um, yeah, share this with your friends, dudes and girls, whoever is listening non-binings please get this around important and yeah let us know if there's any other questions you have anything you want to also rage to us about um you can dm us at triple j the hookup on our instagram and if you don't have insta you can email us the hookup at abc.net.au that's for the boomers if you are still listening thanks (laughs) for staying around yay yay catch you next time Bye. bye